الجزيرة بودكاست So many things about Thailand are lovely. The people are friendly. The beaches are stunning. The food is among the best in the world. But away from the tourism, according to Al Jazeera's correspondent, Tony Chang, bureaucracy in Bangkok leaves a lot to be desired. Whenever you have to go and file papers with any official body, you have to have paper copies in triplicate. The office is literally piled up like a sort of caricature Hollywood film set with stacks of paper that rise up to the ceiling. And it's that bureaucracy and the corruption that often comes with it that Thailand's Move Forward Party wanted to change. You know, when you get these permits, there's often a faster way to do it, and that's with a bit of money paid under the table. And last month in national elections, Move Forward won big. Thailand's opposition has won the general elections by a landslide. Peter Limja Rohanrat, the leader of the Move Forward Party, is ready to be the next prime minister. But they're not the only power players. There's also the military and the monarchy. And at the moment, that change is held up in Thailand's Senate. All 250 senators are appointed by the military. And at the moment, not very many of them say they're going to approve Pita as prime minister. Thailand's military has held onto power since a coup in 2014. And the monarchy has been in place for centuries. Now that people have voted for change, will Thailand have the opportunity to see it through. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Hi, Tony. Thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciate you staying up late for us. How long have you been based in Thailand? I've actually been here for 20 years on and off. Uh, There was a stint uh, living in China, where I was the correspondent for Al Jazeera in Beijing. I moved home to the UK for a bit, but yeah, pretty much two decades in Thailand. So this is home. Pretty much. So, Tony, let's talk about what's happening in Thailand politically. The country held its elections more than two weeks ago. Thai voters heading into the polling booth early on Sunday morning. And the big winner was Move Forward, the so-called youth vote. The head of the progressive Move Forward Party could be the country's new leader. Who is this Move Forward Party and the prime minister that they're proposing? It's really interesting. Move Forward is a new party. It came from another party called Future Forward that emerged in the 2019 elections. They did surprisingly well. But they were then disqualified soon afterwards. The founder was found to have contributed money to the party. I think there was a feeling, certainly amongst their supporters, that it was very unfair. They then reformed under the banner of Move Forward. They've been in opposition for the last four years. There was an expectation, I think, that they would do well this election because they had done well as Future Forward last time. But I think everyone was surprised that they came through and they won. And they won you know, very significantly. And I think we call them the youth votes before the elections. We talked about the young people who are voting for them, but very clearly they have crossover appeal. And I think that's because that message of reform has a lot of appeal to people in Thailand and not just the young. And tell me about the proposed new prime minister. Yes, we've interviewed him a couple of times. His name is Peter 
Limger on Rat. He's a young guy in his early 40s, a successful businessman. He comes from a wealthy background, was educated in New Zealand and the United States. He speaks really good English. I think it's very important to uh, use the chance to communicate to the general public here in Thailand and the international community that there's a new consensus moving forward. The mandate from the people has the right uh, legitimacy to govern. He's very open to the media, certainly at the moment. That may change if he gets into the PMC. But um, there's a tendency perhaps to sound a little bit too polished. But when we've asked him about difficult things, like the reforms that his party are proposing, he's had some very solid answers. Upholding democracy is more of a systematic decision rather than a personalized decision, whether they like or dislike me or not. But it's a, it's a way to move the country forward. I think for Thai people, he's a breath of fresh air. He's in his early 40s, while most of their politicians are in their mid to late 60s. We were waiting to interview him the other day in a shopping mall, and there were just crowds of people coming up to take selfies, you know, to ask him questions, and he was very open to it. You know, this was a, a fancy mall in the center of Bangkok, but he was taking the time to speak to the cleaning ladies as well, uh, to speak to the girls from the 7-Eleven who'd come out. In a society which is very divided by wealth, by class, by education, they're seeing somebody who's cutting through that, and that's very refreshing. The majority of the people in dire need of fresh energy into the country after a lost decade? Hmm. I think the real test, though, is how he gets through the next couple of months, if he even gets to that prime minister's seat. In any normal democracy, this would be a very automatic process, but Thai politics is very complicated, it's very dirty. And uh, I think he's going to be tested in a red-hot crucible. Yeah, so let's talk about one of those tests Move Forward made it clear that they were not interested in bureaucracy. But maybe more than that, they weren't interested in the corruption that often comes with it. And they won the election with this argument. How is it, though, that they aren't in power yet? Well, that's because of Thailand's very complicated political history recently. Well, over the last two decades, we've seen popular politics uh, come and then those politicians have been ousted by military coups. It's been home to more military coup d'etat than any other country in modern history. There's one in 2006, there was a constitutional overthrow of the government in 2010. The Red Shirts led two months of protests in 2010. There was another military coup in 2014. Who knows what's happening at the moment? We certainly don't, but the talk among the journalists is this may be a coup, quite possibly. The prime minister is an ex-army chief who first came to power in a coup. When that happened, the military took control. It was different from the previous coup, which had been, if you can have such a thing as a relaxed military coup, it had been quite relaxed. This time, people were taken away to military camps. They were kept there for quite a long period of time and told what they could and couldn't do when they were released. And after that, they offered up a constitution in a national referendum, but it was a sort of carrot and stick process. The military said, if you vote for the constitution to be approved, then you can have an election. So they voted for it. It was approved. The problem with that constitution is it really hinders proper democracy. 
including what's happening now with Move Forward. They had this large block of seats in a lower house of 500, but in order to get their prime minister appointed, they need the approval of the Senate, the upper house. So despite winning this election, the party may not be able to bring their prime minister of choice into power. Is that right? Yeah. So the Senate is appointed by the military. Now, some of those senators are ex-military themselves. Some come from civil society. Now, I think that's the one hope for Move Forward, that some of those people can be persuaded that this is an electoral mandate of the people and they should vote for Move Forward's prime minister. But all of them owe their current jobs as senators to the military government that put them in place. There were military parties that had been in power before, led by generals. They were completely rejected in this election. Now the general who led the country after seizing power in a 2014 military coup has acknowledged his defeat. From now, it's about a transition and the formation of a government. All ties should love each other and be united for the country without conflict. So the generals who have ruled Thailand since 2014 have been pushed out. And yet there is still a very distinct possibility that they could come back into power because of this arrangement, because of these senators. I think a lot of people are enormously frustrated by this. And this is where Thailand has been stuck effectively for the last 20 years in a political cycle that sees the slight flowering of democracy, then a military stamp down, military rule, the rejection of military rule, democracy flowering again, and this has gone on and again and again. So there is resistance to move forward from the military, but it looks like there also might be resistance from the monarchy. During the campaign, Move Forward pushed to get rid of the law that bars people from speaking out against the monarchy. It's a law that's referred to as Les Majestés, or the 112 law. There's a hundred-year-old law that makes it a criminal offense to say or write anything that can be deemed offensive about the members of the royal family. It's known as Article 112, the Les Majestés law. Why was that important? Well, I have to be a little bit careful here because Les Majestés can be applied to just about anything that you say that is then deemed by a court to be offensive to the monarchy, to the king, the queen, or or anyone in, in the court, basically. This has been used as a political tool. Now, I should just qualify this by saying that in Thailand, it's an often repeated belief that the king and the monarchy are above politics. So we have to be very careful about what we say the king is involved in. But certainly anything to do with the monarchy becomes very controversial. But two years ago, after the first COVID lockdown, we saw people come out onto the streets. A youth-led movement kicked off, calling for changes in the long-established power structures here in Thailand. Centered on the monarchy, the military and the elite connected to them. They were very frustrated about the state of the economy, which had come very close to collapse because of the shutdown during the COVID pandemic. And there were a lot of young people who I think were very frustrated again by the greater sort of stalemate in Thai politics. They hadn't been able to vote and they were frustrated that this military government wasn't doing the things they wanted to do. 
The government has to ask itself when it looks at the people, who does it see? Are we the same countrymen? Your job is to serve the people. Do you see the value of the people? That swiftly turned also into protests calling for the reform of the monarchy. Now that has been very taboo in Thailand for, for decades. There were tens of thousands of young people on the streets of Bangkok very openly and very loudly and in some cases very crudely calling for the monarchy to be looked at again. I think people also want to know why it wields such power. The king of Thailand is the richest monarch in the world. I think people, yeah, that, they talk about the Sultan of Brunei, uh, the royal family in Saudi Arabia. The one who has the most money is the king of Thailand, and that wealth extends into all areas of life here. Incredible. That is a mind-blowing fact for me, as someone who's been to Thailand several times and had no idea where does that wealth come from. It's historical wealth, it's land, but also the monarchy has put a lot of investment into key infrastructure. Siam Cement, for example, which has really been behind the growth of Thailand as a modern country. Siam Commercial Bank, one of the largest banks in Thailand. There is a, a Crown Property Bureau which manages the wealth of the Crown, which is enormously powerful. Uh, and in fact, the protesters targeted that office at one stage, and that was the point at which the authorities really cracked down because I think they realized that was the real source of the power. Hmm. How interesting. So when we speak about people coming out into the streets contesting or debating something that has not been debated for many, many years, they're doing it under threat to their own life and livelihood, I assume. Indeed, yes. Now, the authorities did take a fairly stand-backish view when these protests started, but pretty soon they started cracking down. And what they did after that was they targeted the protest leaders and used this law, 112, less majesty charge, to accuse them of offending the monarchy. More people have been charged since 2020 including 18 children. It's a very serious charge. People have gone away for posting things on Facebook, or for just sharing things on Facebook, for sending text messages, even sometimes using an image. Somebody posted an image of a yellow rubber duck, which was deemed offensive. Because yellow is the color of the royal family. Yes, and that was something the protesters had used in one of their protests, floating rubber ducks down the river towards the royal palace. But it's a very serious charge, and the punishment is as much as 15 years in jail. So today, with the election clouded by uncertainty, how are Thai voters feeling now? That's after the break. Get your news in less than three minutes, three times per day, with the Al Jazeera News Updates. Just ask your home device to play the news by Al Jazeera or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. So, Tony, the military is helping to keep the monarchy in place. And as you've mentioned, they helped themselves to power in a coup in 2014. This doesn't seem like a force to be trifled with. This is the first election 
since Thailand's anti-government protests back in 2020 and 2021, as you alluded to earlier, there was record high turnout for this election, more than 75 percent. So what are all of those voters who want to change doing or thinking at this point? Have you been talking to people about that? I think they're very frustrated. I mean, in any normal democracy, and that's, I mean, who knows what normal democracy is, but um, certainly according to what people feel they are entitled to when they cast their vote, they've given an electoral mandate for change. They voted for reform. One voter talked about feeling proud taking a stand on May 15th, the day after the election. I feel that the voice of the people is very important. And now the people are pleased with the unofficial election results. They want their vote to be respected. And I think many of them are very concerned about the fact that it won't be. Thais put up with a lot. Thailand is a very stratified society where you have often to bow down and accept the will of your elders. Actually, what most Thais really want is for the economy to be managed better. And when you put 60-year-old generals in charge of the economy, they do not handle it well. And I think that is part of the equation that the military and what we generally refer to as the establishment are playing on, that people will just quietly put up with it. But I'm not so sure they will this time. And I'm not sure they're that sure either, because we've seen, for example, the Election Commission ratify the election very quickly. We didn't think that was going to happen so quickly. And I think some of those senators are wavering because they realise that it is time for a change. I think if that electoral mandate is basically ripped up, it could be very problematic and there is the potential for more social unrest. Mm. So, Tony, you have lived in Thailand for so many years. You've covered many elections. As a journalist, has anything surprised you about this current election and the aftermath? And if so, how are you preparing for what could or could not happen next? Well, I think there's one rule in Thai politics that myself and most of my colleagues uh, adhere to, which is you can't predict what's going to happen. It's Thailand, so inevitably there's been talk of military coups. Uh, I don't think we're quite close to that period yet. I do suspect there's a lot of backroom negotiating going on. To be perfectly honest, I was surprised that Move Forward did as well as they did. We had looked at that youth vote, but what we hadn't realised was that older people who in the past had voted for those parties that represented stability, in some cases military back parties, well, they're sick of all this too, and they want the change. You know, it it was the mums and dads and the grannies and the grandpas. They were voting Move Forward too. So that has surprised me, and... I think the determination, the foresight the electorate has shown has surprised me. I just hope they get a chance to make that a reality. And that's The Take. We'll be back on Monday. This episode was produced by Amy Walters and Chloe K. Lee, with Nagin Oliai, Sonia Bagat, Ashish Mahotra, David Enders, Miranda Lynn, Khalil Sultan, and me, Malika Bilal. Our sound designer is Alex Roldan. Tim St. Clair mixed this episode. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio.